Good morning, everybody. It's Friday morning. It's 10 a.m. And that means it is philanthropy and focus day. So what's special about this program is, well, let me tell you where I'm coming from. First of all, it's your buddy, Tommy D. I'm coming to you as always from the top of my house. That's right. The attic. I've been in the attic now 320 days. And but who's counting? Well, I guess I am because it's on the calendar downstairs and I see it all the time when I'm in the kitchen. So, you know, if you've plugged into this program in the past that I am incredibly passionate about the nonprofit sector and all the work they do. I I just, I was drawn to this sector. I, I feel that often the sector goes unrecognized, uh, underfunded and overlooked. And my answer to that problem or challenge is philanthropy and focus. And that's where we are. We are on philanthropy and focus every single Friday morning from 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time till 11 a.m., I will interview a nonprofit executive leader. I will interview them to find out about where the organization came from, the genesis of the organization. I want to find out some of the challenges maybe early on because some of the folks that will plug into our programs are starting grassroots nonprofit organizations and can use those kind of, oh, is that how it happened? Or is that what you did? Those kind of stories. Those are important. And then we're going to talk about the programs. Really, what are the programs that that organization offers? How do they make an impact in their community? And ultimately, I want to find out what is the future of the organization? Where are they going? How will they uh, evolve and, and continue to add value and make an impact to the communities that they serve? That's what it is. This is not a Tommy D show, although most of my life is the Tommy D show. This is not the Tommy D show. This is about talking to these nonprofits and using my platform to help get the word out, get the message out. So today I have a special honor and I'm going to read my, my friend, Dr. Tisa Fitzgerald's bio in a second, but I have a special honor having Dr. T with me today. Dr. T, just hit the mute button when you get a chance so you can come off mute when uh, when we're ready. Um, you just hit the one up in the, uh, there you go. You're all good. All right. So I'm going to just quickly, before I even have Dr. T say good morning, I'm going to read something because I think it's important to set the stage of where we're going today. So in 1986, Sister Tisa Fitzgerald, CSJ, helped develop a home in Long Island City, Queens for children whose mothers were incarcerated. Our children, and I always say spelled H-O-U-R, our children was born from the realization that the mothers she was visiting would need additional support if they were, success if they were to successfully reunite with their children after their release. In 1992, Our Children was incorporated and is now a leading provider of prison and community-based family services for incarcerated and formerly incarcerated women and their children. Sister Tisa received her bachelor's in education from Brentwood College, her master's in education from Queens College, right? Queens, favorite county, best borough. Uh, I'm gonna get myself in trouble with the other boroughs now. Sister Tisa is recipient of many awards and honors for her work with families involved in the criminal justice system. In 2015, she was awarded the Cross Pro Ecclesia at Pontifice, and she has been named the TIAA Difference Maker in 2018, winner of the Renewal Award from the Atlantic in 2017, the Opus Award in 2014, White House Champion of Change in 2013, and a CNN Hero in 2012, and is one of the top 100 Irish Americans by Irish American Magazine. Super exciting. I mean, that's a big deal to have you on my program, Sister T. It's so cool. Prior to starting Our Children, Sister T 
worked in the Office of Catholic Education for the Diocese of Brooklyn. See, now I am in trouble because Brooklyn's in the house and I was already talking about Queens. And she served as a school principal through various elementary schools throughout Queens and Brooklyn. Sister Tisa Fitzgerald, welcome to Philanthropy and Focus. I like to say welcome to the show. Thank you, Tommy. And I'm very grateful for your passion for the work that I do and certainly for all the work that nonprofits do across our city and our world because you're right, we are the bedrock of change. Uh, from the grassroots up. So I'm honored to be here today. And you sort of gave a good broad overview of with the genesis of our children. But in 1986, the need was made clear to me and to other four other sisters of St. Joseph about the plight of children whose mothers were incarcerated. And that really was largely due to Sister Elaine Roulet, who really is my heroine. Uh, she was the forefront runner of services inside correctional facility in Bedford Hills. And she reached out to our community, Sisters of St. Joseph of Brentwood, to gather together to, to have some kind of a practical solution to help children. And the solution ended up to be establishing a home here in Long Island City in St. Rita's Convent. And that home was called, lovingly called my mother's house. So when the children came to live there, and people ask, where do you live? They say, I live with my friends in my mother's house. And that name has continued right through today. And it's across the street from where I am in Long Island City in the offices. So um, that was the origin of it. And for nine years, the sisters and I really um, were licensed foster mothers just so that we would really be able to navigate the world with, of these children and the mothers. And we it took us inside Bedford Hills Correctional. And there I met the most amazing, honest, humble women who were filled with grief and remorse over the poor choices that they had made. And so much of it was drug ridden at that, driven at that point in time. And all they yearned for was a chance to really step out of prison and really make good lives for their children. And they know they needed help. Uh, and they were very honest about that. There was no cover up of stories. No, I didn't do anything. It was just a look forward with hope and they needed us. So that's really where our children was born. We moved from caring for children for the nine years to establishing a house. And it was really right on the same block at that time. It was an abandoned house that the parish let us take over. We, with the help of many volunteers, fixed it up so that when a woman came out of prison, her child who lived across the street could rejoin her there and be established in the Long Island City, go to the same schools, stay in the Girl Scouts, play basketball, do all the things that were important for that child's family. But it also became a bigger issue because as the numbers grew, the need grew. And so, again, I always look at the origin of our children. Um, and the name is significant. The H-O-U-R really highlights what we do and do from 1992 to the present day, that the lives of the children we serve are governed by the hour their mother is arrested a very significant hour that they're allowed to visit, whether it's in Rikers Island or at the state level. And most importantly and happily, the hour of reunification when they can begin as a family and move forward together in the world. So when we started our children, we were very attentive to the basic needs of people, women and children. And again, it revolved primarily around a home. Everybody needed a safe place to come together to say, we can do this and we can do this in community. So our homes are based on a communal model 
uh, where we have either eight to 10 families in one house, communal dining, communal routines, working with each other, helping each other, being the family that many of these women did not have. So that was the original model and that model continues today. The needs of the women obviously were very basic, childcare. So we started a babysitting program that grew into a licensed daycare, which was very important because many of the women were coming from the Bedford Hills nursery with a baby who was one. And our first house and then had, I think, about three babies in it. Then we moved to needed more space. So we moved to Richmond Hill and we opened a house in 1995 and immediately had 12 mothers and 14 babies. We had two sets of twins in that house. So that became a very important part of what we did, childcare. Uh, and then again, the need grew, the need grew. And fast forward to 2021, we now have nine houses in Queen, all Queens-based. We've tried to get into the other boroughs, but we haven't quite been successful there. But it's important that we are in close proximity to each other to continue that community communal family relationship. But as the needs grew, we saw that women needed, besides the house, they needed childcare, they needed clothing. So we started a very simple uh, thrift shop. Actually, we started gathering, getting donations of, of clothes from people for the women because they came out with nothing. When you come out of prison, you come out with nothing. The clothes on your back, which is usually state issued, and it's the thing you want to get rid of immediately. So people started donating, and then that grew to the need. We had too many, too much. So we opened a thrift shop in an old parish warehouse of St. Readers, and that immediately was work for our people. Our women, our women ran it. It was employment. It gave them opportunity to learn how to navigate uh, the world of work, uh, and that grew and that again, the thrift shops were important because people came by the droves to help us, either donating time, donating um, clothing, giving us money, doing things. And now today we ha thankfully have three thrift shops, uh, one on Steinway Street, which is really the main corridor of um, the Astoria shopping world. Mm -hmm. But they are all run by our women. And that again was a great training place for them. From there, we went to the issue around um, older children. We started an after-school program because we had women who were reuniting, reuniting with older children, many of whom were in foster care. So we were involved in the court system. They came out. We had so wonderful social workers we started hiring, and they helped us navigate the world of ACS, child welfare, and reuni reunifying families here in our homes in Queens. And from that also grew the need for uh, increased social workers. So we have a whole cadre of social workers, child therapists who really work with the families uh, on site. And then we were asked to open a food pantry. And we had had a small food pantry that was really an exclusive club for women who were coming out of prison. But um, New York Community Trust asked us to expand it because this area of Long Island City is between two of the largest housing projects in America, Queens Bridge and Ravenswood. So we were very happy to do that. And it was at that point in time, it was very clear to us that while we had a mission to service formerly incarcerated women and their children, we were becoming a very crucial service provider in this neighborhood. Very, very important. So we opened the food pantry and again, moved the thrift shop out, moved the food pantry in and navigated land and opportunities around here. 
Uh, and to this day, the food pantry is a vibrant, vibrant service and a real anchor for um, food security in this neighborhood. Our, it's run by our women. Again, that's a job now. And they do, it's open three days a week. And the numbers are growing. And we can talk more about that later. I want to talk. I, we're going to go to a break in two minutes, sister. So okay. I just want Very important. And I will be in big trouble if I don't mention this. The women needed education, job training. So we are now an HRA-approved job training program uh, called Our Working Women Program that get women ready for the workforce, get them basic education, higher education, soft skills, hard skills, so they are ready to take off, and we have success stories to tell and to be proud of. And we're going to hear about those, too, because that's what's exciting about this. I Look, I hate to stop this and take a break, but guess what? You just set the stage so incredibly well that... If anybody leaves to go get a cup of coffee, they'll be back in two minutes when we come back because we're going to dive right into all these great programs. I'm excited. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up four or five times throughout your introduction there. So we are going to take a quick break, come back for a conversation with Sister T and Tommy D here in the (laughs) attic. I'll see you guys back in two minutes. What a team. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, sister. Listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. That's right. Every Friday morning, join Tommy for at least for the foreseeable future. That's where I'll be because I've been here for a long time already. Sister T, I don't know if you know this, but the individual who originally connected us is the uh, singer on that on my jingle right there. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uncle Brendan Levy, my buddy. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's, a, he's family to us. And, uh, you know, he has a band that I'll, I'll, I'll shamelessly plug them. They have a band, and they used to be called The Goods back when they were young men. Now they call themselves Damaged Goods. 
So I love to. I think they should be treasured goods. Treasured goods. They changed the name. Brendan, I know you're out there listening. Treasured goods. It's a new name for the band. Um, It's just so special, the connections. And and I thank you, Brendan, for originally introducing Sister Tisa and I. So, so sister, let's go into programs. I mean, I, I, I have notes just from that first session we had together. It's like, where do we start? Do you want to start with the pantry? Do you want to? Because I mean, in our little kind of chat earlier today, that's what we were talking about. Sure. I mean, again, we know the need for food insecurity in our nation is dramatic at this time. And it's really not going away without really significant efforts on many, many levels. But for us here, our food pantry was always a, a stable source of food for residents who were struggling. But with COVID, the need has just escalated. And we see people on the lines that it's just their stories are tragic, they're real, um, but they're looking for us to really to help them get through this until there is a better way for them to move, whether it's, you know, jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so we are seeing an enormous amount of need. We also are giving out more than food. We've tried also to give, again, through donations of people. We've had um, uh, uh, all kinds of clothing. We have coats. We just had a huge donation of new coats, and we gave the when we have them over in the where, our warehouse where people get a voucher on the food line, go over and get a coat that fits in dignity. You're not trying it on in the street. Right, um, right. The, you know, hats and gloves and uh, toiletries and basic thing needs and diapers. People, women, families are coming all the time looking for diapers for their children, things that are very costly. And when you're on a very tight budget right now, you have to make choices. You don't want to make a choice between putting food on the table and then other necessities of life. So we're very grateful. We have some of the restaurants in the area have stepped up and um, offered food. They have, you know, come and given hot meals to people because ours is a grab and go now. It had been a client choice, but because of COVID, we have to hand a bit, which we're not thrilled with, but that's what we do have to do. So we always try to give something in addition to that. We gave puzzles for a few times. People love puzzles, art activities, gifts for kids. At Christmas time, we were able to give toys away for children. So we're really very attentive to what the people are asking for. And then we outreach through New York Cares or through, you know, Queensborough President's Office has been incredibly generous to us um, to give needs, to service the needs of our families. And um, that's there and it will be there forever. I want to ask you a quick question about that because I feel I always give my guests the opportunity at the end of the program to share contact information and things like that. But I feel like if somebody's listening in now and they say, hey, look, I'd love to be involved with that. I'd love to donate. Who, if they want to donate, whether it be a local restaurant that wants to get involved, if it's just somebody who is philanthropic and wants to, how, who do they contact first, sister? All right. Kelly Phelan is the director of the food pantry and she's a dynamo. Once you get hooked onto Kelly, it's a lifelong commitment. <laughs> it's a forever. And, you know, she'll make that happen along with um, the people who work with her. And again, you know, we're aligned with the city agencies, too. You have the food bank, City Harvest. Uh, It's all about relationships and partnerships. Nobody does any of this alone. And when you get and, you know, and the New York, the Queens Chamber of Commerce, Long Island City Partnership, we are all in this together. And that's not just a cliche. It's lived out day after day here in our children. 
Yeah, I, I, I listen. If I call myself as a cute thing, the nonprofit sector connected, but that's just because I agree with you incredibly that it's all about relationships. It's all about who we know, and it's all about how collaboratively. I say a lot of times, I say, you know, two plus two in math, you know, maybe that's four. Well, no, I guess it is four. <laughs> Not maybe it is four, but in networking math and collaborative, creative math, to me, it's some exponential number mm-hmm. much higher because I mean. And from your background, you, you get this. The more we can be together, the more we can collaborate, the better we are as, as a, a, a connected unit. Um, I want to hear about, you know, just from the pantry perspective, I, I was just telling my children this the other night, especially in the last 12 months, what's gone on is people who would never maybe expected to be on the line at a pantry or on the line at, at a coat drive. And I've seen it here, you know, I, I'm out in Nassau County. And, you know, I've just seen it on the local news about how they show individuals who, you know, are now on a food line who would have never thought that. Can you speak to some of that? And just the you said you used the word with with the coats with dignity, you Mm. know, that it's so can you speak to that about just the the difference of folks that you're starting to see and and how much more the need is right now? Maybe some an, an anecdote or two. Well, again, every day when the line starts, we make sure that our staff and volunteers have conversations with people because, you know, people are standing there. I am sure some are saying, I hope no one sees me or, you know, I'm ashamed. There is a sense of guilt sometimes and we experience that. So conversation one on one, eye to eye can help that and, and say, we understand we're here for you. We get it. You know, what else do you need? What can, can you, you know, how is your family doing? How's your health? So I think that's a crucial piece of it. And so many of our people are now known by name. And when they come up, they'll say, thanks so much. My name is Joe or this one. And um, I'm glad you're here. You're part of our community. And it's really very, very important. And the thing that also is we have to remember is our mission, that they know that the people who are doing this or people have seen hard times, people who had to depend on people, people who made big mistakes in their life, and have turned themselves around and with great dignity and pride can now give back. And that's the message. And many people will say that to us. I'll make sure when I'm out of this predicament, I come back and donate here. And what more can you do? It's really a a wonderful transformative moment for everybody involved. And no one's better than anyone else. I love that. that. And and just speak to that a little deeper, because I think I know what you mean there. But you're saying the women who have been served by our children historically are either coming to work as employees of the organization or are volunteering. Expand on that if you could. Well, again, that's the idea. You know, in life, the best things are when you are um, helped, uh, that you can feel a sense of gratitude. And I think the attitude of gratitude is crucial for all of us in life. And they're encouraged in many ways to do that, whether it be in the communal setting where someone comes in from prison you know, we welcome people and we welcomed a lot of people during COVID. I mean, people were released in, in large numbers during COVID. We had actually like five women from the prison nursery come out with babies. Well, when you come into a new environment, that sense of welcome and it's going to be okay. And how can I help you? It's giving back in the communal setting. And then you take that out to the work training program where somebody says, don't worry, I'll help you learn how to navigate the buses to get or the subway system or however else they need the neighborhood to learn the neighborhood. And as that grows in life, and then you teach those values to your children, then we're going to create a society where we are not one better than the other, but we're here to serve and be uh, supportive 
of people in good times and in bad. And at the end of the day, Tommy, that's the value that is most lasting. That's the value that matters, that we know that we are doing kindness, small random acts of kindness, however you want to say that to people. And whether you're rich or poor, that attitude is lasting. Sister, you know, I mean, I, 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 I sometimes I get all on my high horse about just what you said there, because, man, if we could just as a society, as a as a race, as a planet, if we could just remember that and just mm-hmm. be able to be there and and be compassionate and find ways to help and find ways to make an impact. And that's, you know, that's why I wanted to do this program, because I, I want people to realize the great work that's out there. And um it's not just about going out and making more money to buy more stuff. No, man. no, it's not. It's- uh, I had a father, and I didn't know who he was. He came down to our office here, and he had his two kids with him, and they were all masked, and they had bags with them. And he said to me, Sister, I got up this morning, and I wanted to make sure my kids understood all that they had. And he took them to the supermarket, and they picked out all the things that they liked. They liked not that we're cheap or whatever, whatever. Right. And they bought those and brought them here so that other kids who didn't have all the wealth that they had could benefit from it. And I said to him, you deserve a gold star. You, you're, you're not teaching by words. You're no. doing playing by example. And the kids were so happy to have done that. And over the course of the past months, endless times, you know, boxes arrived with clothing or people walk in the door or leave bags of food all around um, uh, or send money. I mean, so that they could support the efforts that are here for the people in the neighborhood. And um, again, to catalog that is just worth a lifetime of goodness, really. You know, that, that man, and, and I will say, I try, my wife and I try to do similar things as best we can, because it's the practical nature of, of them actually touching the food, taking yes. it off the shelf, carrying it, coming, delivering it to, to Long Island City where that, in my opinion, sets a lifetime of habit. That is something, you know, where, where you go, well, that's what we do. That's part of what we that's do. You know, part of our, what, what, you know, some people do this, they, they add value this way, they work in the soup kitchen, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, but the, that this, so that becomes, you know, a nine-year-old sees that. And when he or she is 29, they're, they're, they're making, Remember habit, that. right. And you mm-hmm. do that and it sets these things, you know, in motion, good yeah. habits or bad habits. Right. So you try to put as many, good as as we can i want to go into what you know i I do a lot of work with organizations and have had some on the program already that are involved with and focus on the intellectually developmentally disabled so in that community vocational work is is incredibly important i want to talk about that and we're actually gonna we're gonna go to break in like one minute but when we come back what i want to do is i really want to focus on the vocational and the housing. So talk, take, tell me those stories. When a, when a woman comes out of, uh, of Bedford Hills, for example, and what, what that looks like, what sort of, how does she engage with those programs? And, and just, and I'd love more stories. Cause to me, we, I wrote it down when we, before we started stories, change lives, right? That's what you said when we were in, in our little green room here in the attic. So we're going to come back in, in about a minute, minute, minute or two. And let's really focus on, on those programs, what it looks like when, when she comes out of, of incarceration and, and kind of reacclimates to society. Okay. Okay. Very good. I just have to say that every, three times a week in our thrift shop at 36th Avenue, a group of developmentally delayed adults come and they help sort shoes and color code 
racks of clothing, et cetera. And they leave, leave like they just, again, uh, they perform the greatest feat in the world. And they did. They did for them yeah. and for us. There's so. two major things I want to check the box with you there, because that collaboration is what I'm all about. I yeah. love those stories. And I can, you know, if there's more of that that you need, we can discuss that off the show. And the other part of that is those people now have, they, they have something that they look forward to and oh. they're making an impact. It's not just a, it's not a hobby. It's something that they're actually doing. They're oh. providing an, an incredible service. Mm-hmm. So, so more to come on that. We'll come back in about two minutes. We'll, we'll talk about a, a woman comes out of the system and what does this all look like for her? What is uh, what is the vocational side? What is the transitional housing side? So sister T will be back in two minutes and everybody stay tuned for more with sister Tisa and Tommy D. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m. So tune in on Talk Radio NYC. You know you have it, the potential for a more rewarding life, a life that matters. But how do you get there? The answer is in a best-selling book by the coach of the successful and wealthy, Ken D. Foster. The Courage to Change Everything, Daily Strategies and Wisdom to Awaken Your Hidden Genius and Transform Your Life. With this powerful yet amazingly simple daily guide, your future is in your hands. You will be empowered to unlock your potential, bring out your true gifts, increase your wealth, and take your life and business to a new level. Get your life-transforming copy of Ken D. Foster's The Courage to Change Everything by going to couragetochange.us. That's courage to change.us. Quite frankly, there's no other book like this. Imagine what your life could be like if you had at your fingertips the success principles to create the life you've always wanted. Are you ready to live your dream? Go to courage to change.us. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. That's right. Friday morning, join me in the attic. And this morning, you, if you've been here with us already, you know Sister Tisa Fitzgerald from Our Children has joined me in the attic. So thanks for being here, Sister T. So let's jump right into the programs we started to talk about. Play this, kind of play this out for me. A woman, you know, that you said that one of the important hours is that reunification hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, mom is coming out. I actually see the vision. You know, they open the, the fence and she's walking to the car. Right. That'll t- t- bring me through that. Well, it's very important to know that our children now holds a contract to run the family service program inside Bedford Hills, maximum security, and across the street to Connick Correctional. So we have our staff in there who are very attentive 
to the needs of women coming out. And we have to be selective, of course, because we don't have room for everyone. So when a woman is ready to come out and, and accepted into our program, we are waiting there at the gate with our van and a welcoming driver who picks them up, either maybe with a mother and a baby from the nursery or a mother a, a, single, a mother who's going to reunite with children. And they stop for lunch on the way down, which is probably one of the biggest treats going after how many years inside prison. They arrive here in the office, a social worker meets them. Everybody in the staff comes out to greet them. And they are you know, orientated to the world of our children. Expectations, expectations are crucial. You know, really we run, people say we run a tight ship. I hope we run a loving tight ship, uh, a realistic one that really sort of helps the women set their own path for success. And that does mean having routines set in place for you. Uh, then the woman is typically brought to the house, wherever she would be, either go in Long Island City, in Richmond Hill, Astoria, wherever that's going to be. And she walks into a beautiful room that's ready for her with you know, typical flowers around and a nice, clean, welcoming home. Uh, and then the house manager would then work with her in you know, talking about the rules of the house and what's the expectation for cleaning and cooking and shopping and all those good things. Uh, and then life begins. The next day, it's very important. Perhaps she has to go to parole or not. Then she would tie into our work women, our working women training program. That is key because that is where she is going to be realistic about her past history of employment, education, dreams, skills, et cetera, and what she wants to do going forward. And then a path is set with the training through the work women, and they have a whole network of people that they work with. Very importantly, Access VR is a crucial piece for movement through that. And we've had women so successful in that program over the course of the past 20, 30 years, um, people, women who have been trained and successfully hired in Con Ed, uh, voice technology, uh, all kind of restaurants or um, hotel training areas around um, uh, access, the accessory ride, you name it, there's a network. And that's the need. If people want to help, that's the need. Open your door to a possible internship for one of our women. Because believe me, when we send our women out to internship, they are trained because they've gone through a rigorous five day a week program on site that helps them, but they need that external. They need somebody to give them, give them a chance. So give you, them a chance. So you guys, let, let me sneak in one second here, sister. So you've heard that here. That's the need. That's what this yes. program is about. What does this organization need? We've now established for 33 minutes, the incredible work that this organization is doing. Now I'm asking you, my network, the people I connect with, that's the need. These women have paid their service. They've gone to our children through the training program and they're ready to work. And they're, they're, they're going to be responsible from the routine and the expectations that have been set out from our children. So, so you said Con Edison has been involved. Did you say Boyce Technologies? Boyce Technologies has been wonderful to us. And again, because they gave us a chance and we, we're willing to give people, you know, over to free internships so they get the experience of work and we work with them. We, you know, we monitor back and forth how you're doing. We don't just put them out and say goodbye, good luck. It's, it's, a, it's a lifelong relationship. And so if you give people a chance to do the work, that's the training. And then they come back and there's a lot of work ongoing mentorship 
that can brings them into another world. And then education. We're, we're really good partners with LaGuardia Community College. They've been very good to us. Queensboro comes all the time on site to offer workshops and training programs. Uh, so the sky's the limit for possibilities. Um, in the maintenance world, some women have gone to do welding, learn welding inside, cosmetology, all of those skills that are, give the women a living wage. This is not about a quick fix. We're not into that. We give people time and time takes change is one of the taglines of the Work Women program. And we're willing to work with a woman until she's really trained and ready to get a livable wage job. And that, and again, most often that's parallel with education. And we allow them to do that because they're living in our homes. We do not have time limits in our houses. And people say, you don't? No, we don't. We don't say in six months you have to be ready. We give you the time. And as long as you are using your time to grow your skills, to become a good mother, become a good person in the world, the community in which you live, a contributing member, we give you all the time you need. Some women, it takes six months, some women a year. We have women with us two years who then are ready to be launched securely and successfully into a world, not floundering. They're well prepared to, to move forward. And that's crucial in any training program. And we're proud of the fact that we don't uh, push people in through a certain time slot. You know, and that same issue with housing. I could go on five shows about this. The issue of a four, we have a transitional communal model that get women ready for independent living. But then when they go to find independent living and housing in New York City, we know the story. Um, it's it's almost non-existent. What we do you have, mean by that? You just mean from a cost perspective? A cost perspective, yes. And and also also many of our women face discrimination even though that's not supposed to be. I mean, you know. Right. Well, because they, go, they, they ask, do you have a criminal record? And, and they admit it. I mean, they say, I, you know, I usually we advise them, say it up front. This is where I was. Right. This is what I've done with my life. I'm ready to move. I have a good paying job. I'm stable. And I have good back, you know, um, resources to help me continue to do this. And very often they come back, you know, very despondent. But the issue more so is affordability. And we and our children has 32 units of its own permanent housing. And then we've partnered with DNF construction in Jamaica for 26 supportive units and 13 families are moving in a week wow. to beautiful new housing. That's again about relationship. No doubt. You know, we, and I, I plead with people who are in the construction field and development field, partner with nonprofits, partner with people who can help people transition successfully uh, into permanent living. Uh, and that's the issue now in Queens. And I'm constantly on webinars and conversations, Zooms with, you know, the need, stressing the need for affordable housing in Queens. Um, Queens Power is a new group that's up and running and their whole focus is solely on affordable housing. Is that a business or a, non a nonprofit, Queens Power? Queens Power is a nonprofit. Get them on your show. Yeah, they're, they're really good. Focus is housing. And again, we're between the two largest NYCHA housing in the country. And it, women with a record can't get into those housing. Uh, so really? Is that true? Uh, yes, that is true. That is true. And I mean, there are hoops they can go through and maybe in three or four years they'd be eligible. But that doesn't solve the problem when they're ready you know, after a year of hard work. 
to move toward independence and they have resources. So the issue of housing is is dire and um, not only for the world of our children, but for all people. And I know it's a, it's a constant banner cry now and it will be, but we need to put our heads together because there are solutions that can happen. There are. And I, that's. I'm sorry to cut you off. I Please continue. No, no, that's it. We've got to make it work because if we, people don't have good, solid, safe housing, you know, their children are not going to do well in school. You know, their children are not going to do well in the world to come because that's the foundation and the security blanket. We all know that we've been there. No, 100 percent. And, and, you know, I talk a lot from a positive perspective um, that, you know, the 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 ripple effect mm-hmm. and I speak to the to, to the ripple effect of, you know, what is the ripple effect of making these connections? Right. In a positive sense. Right. All these people. But then you speak speak to the fact of the ripple effect of what is the ripple effect, if, if I could, about not having a structure in place, a home, not having you know, a, a, a someone to come home to not have. So with all, that's an, that creates more negative, right? right. But, the, but having the home, creating the community, the fact that you talk about these women and their children, you know, while they, they may be separate, but they're both living on the same block in Long Island city and they're both in the same community, right? If they have to be separate for whatever reasons initially when they first come out, but the, the, that what you're creating there, I look at it and my friend Michael Katakis was on last week and we started talking about the butterfly effect. And what is the butterfly effect of you affecting one woman? And it's not one woman. You've affected thousands of women, right? Tommy, the, the, the possibilities are limitless. When you start empowering a woman, a mother, a family to say, you know, look where we've come from. Look what we've done. We've done hard work. This is hard work. This is not a handout. This is not giving somebody a red carpet. It's saying if you're willing to put in the time, the energy, and have the resilience to go through many hurdles, because formerly incarcerated women have many hurdles to go. The stigma of society is still there, but you can do it. And you can't do it alone. That's the secret. And that's, the I think, what our children stand for. We are with you. Our social workers, our staff, our development people, our finance people are all here to walk with you toward a successful future. And it can be done. And the women who do have done it stand as role models. And they are ever present in our community. People rarely say goodbye forever to our children. You know, they may go off to live independently somewhere in New York State, New York City. But so often they come back because this is where... They look at the form, their formation took place and they knew that it was the secret of sister to sister, hmm. woman to woman, family to family, community to community that gave them the strength to say, yes, I want this and I'm going to do it. And our success rate is extraordinary. And that's not anything to do with me. It has to do with the women, the peers, the staff who have devoted and the volunteers who have said, we believe in you. And that's the effect that has lasting on their children and generations to come. It's, it's an incredible story. And and I'm, I want to ask you, I mean, from, I look back at my other screen here, 1986, 1992, those numbers, are there still women that, that I can imagine that are still involved with the community all these years later? Oh, of course, of course. I mean, typically we have two gatherings, a Christmas party and a trip to ride playland 
400 strong, 500 strong. But we're constantly hearing of success stories that have gone on. And, um, you know, if, if any, if there's a tragedy, you'll hear from everybody going the support, we're sorry, remember, et cetera. Uh, so it's still part, we're family. You become a community of family. And that's really what makes it in our world. And some of us were blessed to have that from the beginning of our lives. Others were not. And that's a reality. Matter of fact, when you yeah. find that, that's the hidden treasure that gives you the fertile soil to grow. What more do you wow. know? I, 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 yeah. I, I'm glad we're recording this because there's so many little little like anecdotes I want to take from you. You, you just, you love words. I could tell you said you have so many great <laughs> phrases. And I'm, I'm not at a loss for them. That's no, well, that makes two of us. And that's why this program is like, not about me. Sometimes I mute I myself, like literally have to mute myself. You know, but the, you know, the secret, and I, I would love for everybody out there when you're happy and you have, and you have a passion for what you do, what gets you out of bed in the morning is really um, a blessing that you can't even put a price tag on it because it is, the secret to a wonderful, happy, full life. And really, I've been blessed that way. So why not give back? I get it. I get it. You know, the, the only negative, if there's any negative of this conversation, is I don't get to give you a hug at the end of this meeting because I feel like I want a hug from you. So, <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're coming back in, in two minutes. I, I pulled this off a video. It says, um, this was a video you guys produced at the end of the year. Sister does not like stagnant water. She likes running water. So when we get back, I want to know what that means from an organizational perspective and really what it means from, oh, we have a visitor. Oh, this, is, this is my cat, my wonderful cat, Richie. Hey, Richie. How you doing, Richie? Welcome to the show. We had a horse on the show two weeks ago, sister. So this is this is like a zoo sometimes. So we're, we're going to go to a break. I want to talk about that. From a perspective of events that you have coming up, I'm seeing a lot of things on social media talking about things in the community uh, specific to maybe legislation and things like that. So that'll be our final segment. So we'll come back. We'll talk about that. Uh, I'll sister share information to, to get in touch with our children, and then we'll be bringing it to a close uh, after that. So back in two minutes, sister, I'll see you soon. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Yo. Hey, your cat joined us in the attic. Unfortunately, we're on Zoom because I'm allergic to cats, but um, it's nice to see Richie with us today. Anyway, so if you're only in listening only mode, Richie the cat just joined Sister T. And he's my uh, assistant. (laughs) Sister's assistant. Very good. Very cool. All right. So let's get to this now. I want to, I want to find out about, I want to find out about events. I want to find out what's going on that we should know about that I can make my, my public, my audience aware of. Um, but, and then I said this quick quote that I, I pulled off a video. Sister does not like stagnant water. She likes running water. Sister Tisa Fitzgerald of Our Children. What does that mean? Well, water is life-giving. Water is an amazing source of power and possibility. And why settle for anything other than some swirling water that's going to take you into new areas of life? But again, you have to be attentive to needs. And that requires a lot of listening and interactions with people. It doesn't mean you sit in your ivory tower. You get out there on the street and you listen to what people are saying. You go inside the prisons, whether it's the state or at Rikers Island, you hear what the women's needs are and you make it happen. Uh, and, you know, they, I, I also like the imagery of walking on water because sometimes that that's what we have to do to get things people to listen to us. And that's really only with the grace of God that happens, obviously. obviously. Um, but that's really where we are. And we're looking now at the voices of our women, how they can become more active in telling their story and making real change happen uh, at the legislature's level, whether it, we're looking at prison reform, which is the whole world is looking at. Um, but there's a real movement called releasing aging prisoners and parole legislative changes that we are trying to get everybody engaged in. Uh, and that's important because you sh- there's no better voice to do that than the women who have been inside. Mm-hmm. We are on the local level, the city level, we're looking at the issues around Rikers Island and transforming what that island represents for women who are in our city and we can do better. And we're very at- much in the advocacy of closing Rikers and bringing it out into the community. So that's that's one one way of looking at it. We also here in the community, we're looking at transforming the Long Island City area where we are to make sure these people have a voice. Our friends in the projects, our friends in all of the other areas around. Um, it's a unique place because it is not the Long Island City. And I love that the other side of the bridge, uh-huh. but we are a unique community here that really needs to stand up and take a look at what's happening in our community um, and really pay attention to the poor and the homeless that are really flooding this area right now. How can we be an active voice to help change take place? Um, But again, there's always the issue of housing and housing for our families, help people bringing donations in that can help us give them out to people in need, whether it be through our thrift shop donations, food donations, money donations, um, that really we don't keep, but we give away. And in giving away, it multiplies. Multiplies, no doubt about it. Isn't that that whole thing about it's called currency because it's like a current similar to your water it's supposed to continue moving so i I just looked over at linkedin because i noticed something the last couple days um and this was just two days ago 
that our children had posted, join the People's Campaign for Parole Justice Virtual Advocacy Day. Um, so that's something that's upcoming. I, I notice our children has a great social media presence. And uh, should I assume that that's probably you doing that, sister? I imagine you're probably good with like LinkedIn, Facebook. No? I, I, again, the smartest thing anybody can do is have great people behind you. Okay. Or with you, sitting with you, and, wow. and that's who I have. There are great people, my development staff, Kathleen Lanier's, etc., are out, have us out there, and that's where we should be. Agreed. Uh, and that's what we want to do more of. Um, yeah, it's certainly my job to make sure that happens, but it's not my job to do it. No, not at all. You have to have people around you in these special. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I noticed something just this week you had, there was a photo exhibit, uh, sexual violence prevention that you guys had posted. So there's plenty of stuff. So in order to follow our children, everybody who's listening, it's yeah. our H O U R children Inc on, uh, that's how you find it on LinkedIn. But do you, could you share other ways that they can get in touch with the organization and follow what's going on? Well, through our website, our website is really fabulous. And, you know, I didn't put in a plug for our teen program. And we have really developed over the past few years a growing awareness of the needs of our teens and the needs in this Long Island City community. So we have started a teen program that brings our kids together with neighborhoods because we are one. And so we're also working with the 114th Precinct and really looking at the needs of kids in this neighborhood. Uh, so that's in a vital part. But you can't do better than going to our website. Um, I know we're on Facebook and all other kinds of social media, Instagram. Uh, but also, I would say this. The best thing is, in good times, to come and show up here and meet us. Because I guarantee you, when you meet the women we serve face-to-face and you understand and their character and the depth of their meaning and their convictions that life is really can be lived in a whole other new way, you will be changed because that's who's changed my life. I have really, I wouldn't be sitting here today as passionate about this if I have not been privileged, not only to live with, I live, live with the women, I live with the women for all these years, but to be changed to their goodness, by their goodness and their resiliency um, and their honesty at life. So. I invite you to come, and until then, I invite you to go on our website and all the other platforms to get to know who we are. All right, so they want to find out about volunteerism or the pantry. Kelly Fallon is their go-to, right? Right, but on the website, we have volunteer opportunities. We have people you can connect to, and um, anybody... You always will get a response. And if you don't get a response, see, call me. Call Sister T. And if you don't get a response from Sister T, call me and I'll get Sister T. All, All right. right. <laughs> so, so we're going to bring it. We're going to bring this home right now. So you know how to get in touch with the organization. You know how to find out about the organization. Sister, one last thing. The most pressing need that, that we can blast out. We talked about needs earlier, but is there something super pressing that, that the organization needs? I would love some more lap. I'd like a lot of laptops. Laptop computers. <laughs> there it is. So if, there you're, it is. if you're listening, computer companies or Staples or yeah, wherever I mean, you might be. We, we, we have a school program and the, the, the hardware they're working with is, you know, pre-Moses. So let's talk, let's talk about that. You and me offline. There might be something we can do. All on. right. Good. Wonderful. Thank you all. God bless. And Tommy. <laughs> Thank namaste. You. You're wonderful. God I bless. You. Thank you all. Thank you, you so much. Such a good spirit. I, <laughs> I shall. Let me bring it home, everybody. It's Tommy D. Philanthropy in Focus, your buddy, the nonprofit sector connector. 
320 days here in the attic and uh this is it this is where we're bringing you the show live every friday morning at 10 a.m what i'd ask you to do is if you don't have you have not checked it out yet the new york city imagine awards application alive sister don't forget about this i'll talk to you about it later but nycimagineawards.com i've been sitting on the committee for long island and now for new york so make sure you're part of that if you want to connect with me pretty easy Instagram, tommyd.nyc, that's for New York City. Um, Tommy D at philanthropyandfocus.com, and focus is P-H-O-C-U-S, because you've heard me say it before, I like alliteration, I thought it was cute, I thought it was funny, the whole thing. Um, find me on Facebook and, and LinkedIn, the whole deal. Um, what I'd like to just say is these organizations are under-recognized, often underfunded, and I'm trying to solve for that problem each week here. So here's what I'd ask you to do. Stick in touch with me. See me every week. Stay tuned on the network for the rest of the day. My buddy Stephen Fry comes on right after me here at 11 a.m., always Friday, followed by Jeremiah Fox at noon with The Entrepreneurial Web, and then Wise Words Create Wealth with Joe McElroy. So we got a heck of a lineup here. So it's not just about this show. Stay tuned on the network. Reconnect with us next week. Sister T, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you too. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Be well. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. 
Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 